don't go do this. Don't try and do what I'm talking about doing. It'd be a horrible idea for most people to try to do it the way we're doing it. Would, you know, if you're in a different city, you've got different gift mix, you're different. What is important is that you seek the face of God and that you fast and pray and hear what he wants you to do and then go do that. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us for this week's conversation on the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. It's Jaden here. Today, we get to share an interview that we hosted in person with Brett Landry, a pastor who is local to Vancouver, where we are based. Brett is the senior pastor of Christ City Church, an incredible network of neighborhood churches serving beautiful Vancouver, BC. Christ City launched in September of 2014 after Brett and his wife, Allison, moved to BC from Alberta. And when the church launched, it experienced incredible growth and resonance in the neighborhood of South Vancouver and has since expanded into a number of the significant neighborhoods of the city with aspirations to plant in the city of Surrey, just outside Vancouver in the short term. Brett has a lot of good stuff to say in this interview about the thinking that drives this kind of highly contextual church ministry. It's very compelling. Brett has also given away much of his time to leading cohorts that support, encourage, and equip different church planters. Actually, Chris Price, who joins Jason and Brett for this interview, was a part of one of those cohorts before he and the team planted the Way Church. It was so fun to hear that mentioned and see that come full circle in this conversation. Brett has been married to his wife, Allison, for almost two decades, and in his evenings, you would very likely find Brett cheering on the sidelines of his teenage daughter's basketball games. In this conversation, Jason, Brett, and Chris talk through a number of different themes, including the bizarre and beautiful story of how Brett came to know Jesus in his late teenage years. I won't give anything away just yet. It'll be much better for you to hear it from him. The three of them talked about the importance of building a church on the person of Jesus and not just on a single pastor, and also the difference the gospel can make for pastors. Brett has a powerful story of how the gospel took root in an even deeper way in his heart on a recent sabbatical that he was on. And then towards the end of the conversation, Brett gives us a window into some difficult seasons in his pastoral ministry journey, one in particular where he had to navigate burnout and how he was able to emerge from that time still in love with Jesus and the mission of his church. And I just loved Brett's posture in all of his reflections. You can tell that he gave real weight to those moments, but there's no sense of arrival for him. It's very clear that he has signed up for a lifetime of humility before God and ongoing transformation by his spirit. It was really encouraging to sense throughout the conversation. Well, in a moment, I'm going to hand things off to Jason, Chris, and Brett. But before I do, here's a quick word from our friends at Tyndale. If you or some pastors on your team want to deepen your faith and increase your impact in the ministry space, we want to recommend our friends at Tyndale. Tyndale is a Christian university in Toronto offering a wide range of undergraduate, graduate, postgraduate, and seminary programs. Built on over 129 years of history and as one of the largest seminaries in Canada today, Tyndale is a leader for developing the next generation of pastors in Canada. They have plenty of great options to meet your unique learning style and personal goals. Whether in person or online, Tyndale can help you grow personally and vocationally with students and professors from across various denominations who will challenge you to lead with passion and purpose. Tyndale can help you reimagine and positively shape your church through a range of courses such as preaching, counseling, and spiritual formation. Applications are quick, easy, and open year-round. Visit tyndale.ca for more information today. Chris, Brett, it's good to be together. Mm -hmm. We're recording this today after Valentine's Day. thought I would just ask... How did it go? Did you guys it do went great for me. things? <laughs> uh, it's uh, Valentine's Day falls on the same week as basketball playoffs okay. for Vancouver-based schools. So mm. uh, I have three teenage daughters playing on three different high school basketball teams, plus a club team in there as well. And so I spent Valentine's Day watching a basketball game. That's right. what I did. That's it's very a, romantic. That's so a lot you of games. and four women. 
<laughs> that's your household all day every day Dude, that's why you're <laughs> such a well-adjusted man <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally that's so good um how long have you guys been in vancouver we've been in vancouver now uh we're coming up next month will be 12 years amazing so 12 year anniversary uh we came in the spring of 2011 yeah. i have a a lot of nice things to say about you but we when we moved to the city to plant a church um, Christ City Church, the church you lead, was one that we really looked up to, really admired um, as just a recent church plant um, going ahead of us, but also a church that's multiplying. And we had some good walks and chats, but I don't know where it was in the journey. But at some point in time, there's this is an amazing memory. You probably through social media knew it was one of my kids' birthdays. And you had somebody in your small group who's like, does the princess thing, like is a Disney princess. And I don't, did I tell you this? No. I get a call, I think from Brad or like, hey, does your, does your daughter like, you know, you know, princess, whatever. Right. And all of a sudden I get a FaceTime call for my daughter, Mary, and it's a Disney princess on the phone really? singing. And he made that happen. And so I looked wow. like a hero and what? I was very thankful. A legend. What many listeners wouldn't know is that when, before we planted the way I was in a church planning cohort and Brett was leading it. And we're going through Tim Keller City Center Church. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah, all it's that. All, it's called the City to City Incubator material that we covered. Yeah, right. as a group. Yeah, come yeah. on. Could you tell us a bit about the Christ City Church story? Because it's really interesting, just how you found yourself in Vancouver and then planting and then multiplying the church. Yeah. So I mean, we, my wife and I, uh, and our family, we moved to Vancouver on purpose to plant a church. So it wasn't like we were here already. And this kind of became sort of something you we, didn't move we here thought for the about. Discounted housing prices. No, no, no. Cheap housing was not the reason we moved here. Uh, we felt called to Vancouver. Hmm. And so we were living in Alberta and felt called to, to plant a church in Vancouver. We felt that call having really not spent any actual time in Vancouver and not really knowing what that would look like. Um, didn't know anyone here. And so we just started praying. And mm. as we prayed, God opened doors of opportunity with different people in really crazy ways, mm. on, like only he can when it's really his will. And so we mm. we spent some time praying. And then all of a sudden I get a message from someone saying, you should talk to this person who'd say you should talk to this person. And you know, within three days of the first earnest prayer, uh, we were having conversations about what it would look like to be in Vancouver. So wow. we moved here in, like I said, the spring of 2011. And uh, apprenticed uh, with Westside Church. And so I did uh, a year, the first year there, I helped plant what's now Shore Church in North okay. Vancouver. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I was part of the team that did that. Uh, I was only part of the team peripherally. I was doing a lot of learning and yeah. just a lot of serving in any way that they needed. And then I was part of the teaching team at Westside. And so I'd go back and forth between the North Shore and uh, when they used to be on Granville Island. And then the second year that I was at west side we were getting ready to plant christ city and so we mm -hmm. were kind of the next ones to go mm -hmm. out the door and uh, we got started with that so we made the announcement that we were going to plant the church in the fall of uh, 2012 and then in the spring of 2013 actually had this uh, church in the area that we had identified that we felt led to plant in uh, this church contacted us and said we, we just want to talk mm -hmm. and get to know each other and so i said that sounds like a great thing to do and we got to know each other and they eventually long story short they said we think we're supposed to close wow and we're supposed to gift you our building hmm. and so they did that which is a remarkable part how of many the story. years of history did that church have so that, that church was planted in that church was planted by german-speaking mennonite immigrants in the late 1930s wow uh, they built the building in the early 1940s or mid 1940s. I can't. There's a there's a like a cornerstone on our church building that says that I think cool. it's I think it was 80 years ago or 79 mm -hmm. years ago that it was plant uh, that, that the church building was built. And then they had lots of ebbs and flows. They had they they were a German speaking congregation up until the 90s, I think. Mm, wow. And then they shifted to. Um, yeah, they, they moved to, to start reaching people who were in the neighborhood now who was not just a German Mennonite immigrant community. It was uh, a lot broader than that. They actually have a, a really cool story uh, of, of church planting as well. They planted a lot of churches out of that. It was the original, wow. it was called Vancouver Mennonite Brethren. And it was the original Men, uh, MB church in the city. Wow. And they're the ones who planted uh, Fraserview and Culloden. Uh, and they're the ones that planted a little church in Burnaby called Willingdon. Really? Well, yeah. A little upstart church. Yeah, a little yeah. upstart church. They've got good things ahead, Still, though, I think, yeah, I think so. Find traction. Yeah, so I mean, they're the, they're the local mega church for those people who don't know yeah. uh, our area and our geography very well. And so that, that all came out That's of amazing. that little building we were given. And so, uh, you know, all these years later, they still have a heart for mission. And it was a great community of people. They just said, we feel a little lost in our way. And mm. this is what we think we're supposed to do. So we were literally handed the keys 
Um, about a, about two months before we officially launched, we did a, a crazy interior renovation really fast, and we launched in September of 2013. And so we've been we've been rolling ever since. So this year will be our 10th year uh, anniversary. We're really excited about that. In 2017, we planted our second church here in the city. Uh, and then in 2019, we planted our third. And then in September this year, um, Lord willing, we're planting in Surrey. And so that's a huge step, huge mm-hmm. step because so it's 2017 outside. Yeah. Kitsilano. Is that that's right? right 27, or, yeah. So, so Christ city Kitsilano was, uh, Palm Sunday, 2017. Yeah. Christ city East Vancouver was September of 2019. Yeah. Mm. And then, uh, you know, things, if things go according to plan, you know, we'll have Christ city Surrey here this fall. And then from the very beginning, was that baked into the DNA? Did you know and communicate we're going to be a church that plants churches in neighborhoods in the city? Yeah, so it's one of those things that you, there's there's wisdom in um, under-promising and over-delivering. Hmm. There's a little wisdom in that. And when we moved to Vancouver, I believed God was calling us to plant a network of neighborhood churches. Right. But like, I didn't even know where to get groceries yet. Right. Like, so I thought, you know what, we'll let that, we'll let that marinate. Right. <laughs> that was in your heart. That was in yeah. my heart from the very beginning, but I never talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's one of those, that, that, that's an audacious goal. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to start talking about something like that, having not done anything yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was a cool, it was cool to learn and be a part of a church plant, um, you know, out of Westside and, and, you know, get to see how they did things. And then to get to pioneer, you know, in that sense and be sent from there to plant one church. I thought, we'll see how this goes. You know, because yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to get up and start promising. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take right. the world. And there's it, just too many people with a lot of promises and not a lot of things to back it up. And so mm-hmm. we just didn't talk about it. Um, what we did is we actually waited until we had an internal group of leaders affirmed that mm-hmm. were leading our church internally. So we had, we kind of, in that transition period of, of church planting, you have external leaders who are giving you oversight, helping you to you know, navigate all the complexities yeah. of, of church life without having to have internal leaders right away. And so mm-hmm. I was kind of a, I was a solo pastor and I had this external group of leaders that were overseeing things. Once they had all stepped down and new leaders had stepped on from within our community, then we as a group talked about it. Okay. And so I pitched that vision at the time. Uh, we spent time fasting and praying about it. They, it really resonated with them. And mm-hmm. they said this, we believe this is what God wants for us. So we started talking about it publicly. And then, uh, you know, we're obviously able to execute on that, mm-hmm. um, you know, in kind of short order. Yeah. Wow. I wanted to ask like, I wish I could almost like put a model out that is the spectrum of when we say a network of churches, like yeah. we, I think we actually need to upgrade collectively our like vernacular on these things. Cause a campus, a site, yes. an autonomous church, semi-autonomous, like there's a range, but I know that one thing that's unique about, and please relate back to me if you could uh, clarify it, but there's like churches with sites where it's like videoed in it's like Mm -hmm. you're almost getting the exact same experience across the board and then maybe next on that spectrum would be like their sites but some of it's autonomous and then on one side there's on another extreme there's churches that are completely governed separately separate names but choose to affiliate with one another some denominations obviously are connected to that there's always networks of churches you're somewhere in the middle where you have a deep connection. I'd love to understand how the even governance connection and real mm-hmm. leadership, but quite a high degree of empowered leadership on the ground as yeah, well. Yeah. Can you just speak to the model? Cause I think the subtleties are interesting. Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, I get invited to speak into, uh, you know, the multi-site church conversation has been going on for a long time since before any of us were in ministry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I get invited because they think we're a multi-site church. And so they say, well, you, can you sit on this panel at this conference and talk about multi-site church? And usually I'm very disappointing to all the people who are hearing because I'll just say, we're not really a multi-site church. Now we don't think we're a multi-site church. We think we're a multi-church network. Okay. Okay. And the way that we function is that each individual neighborhood church, and that's the language we use as neighborhood church has its own leadership. They have their own congregation, their own members, the whole thing. So they have their own pastors. So we don't do video. We don't care. Like I have lots of great friends who do it. It's not like we're fundamentally opposed to video in some sort of weird way. Um, We're just kind of like, this is what we feel called to do. Mm -hmm. And we think that contextually Vancouver is really, it's really important to be in person. Mm. And that's why we do that here. I don't know that it's true, you know, in other people's cities and other people's provinces and states and all that, that's not our thing. I know Vancouver and we've chosen to go this way. When you say Vancouver, 
um, you, you really do specifically mean Vancouver proper, not just the lower mainland. Now, I know you're spreading into Surrey, but I would agree there's something about, and, and there's very viable video site churches sure. in Vancouver. So no, not creating a false binary, but there's a sense of neighborhood here that I think other cities would, would resonate with where it's like, when you say, you know, East Van or South Vancouver or kits, you're like, these are very different, very distinctly yeah. different environments. Yeah. So there's an, obviously an opportunity there if you have the team to be able to do something contextualized. Yeah. And I remember even Chris, you talk about like training stuff, you know, that when I was leading a the cohort, church planting yeah. training cohort, like we talk about this stuff because I'd, I'd roll out that this is how we cultivated our mission, vision values. And this is how we talk about all these things. And I, I would do that in the training. And one of the things is Vancouver is a neighborhood city. There's no freeway here. It's 23 distinct neighborhoods plus UBC. And so what I would look at is which neighborhoods have close enough affinity that the geographical proximity mm. means they're kind of the same and they get kind of lumped in because like probably none of us could list all 23 from memory, mm. but we mm -hmm. could, we could be close, yeah. but a lot of those neighborhoods blend into each other in the way that they feel mm. and the way that people live in them is, is very different. So, um, yeah. So what we've done is identified some different places that we think, you know, God was calling us to plant. We plant there and they're a little bit different. So each church in within Christ city has its own ability to be somewhat autonomous and and contextual and we try to empower them to do that at the same time though we have a lot of shared resources mm. and so like even you know today there's a preaching meeting happening where uh there's probably i don't know we've got a bunch of ministry residents in there and like preaching team and we we do a a, a a review and then a preview. And so cool. we have all these people in the same room and we're all working through the text together because we're all preaching on the same text. And I'd say we're like that probably, you know, 45 weeks a year, we're okay. on the same text. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's some freedom in those other weeks to go, we're not doing that. And it really helps because we can all grow together. So that's one of the things that we do together, but it's all, it's all executed in a neighborhood kind of way. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't, have any authority over the church in Kitsilano. I'm not, I don't have any responsibility there. That's not my job. Mm -hmm. And would they be a separate society technically as well? So yeah, you want to get into the, the nitty gritty on it. Yeah. We're all one society. Yeah. So we're one legal entity. Um, but then we've broken that down within our governance structure uh, on how we walk that out. Yeah. yeah. In theory, is the telos that they would, people would stay under that or is there a maturing where at some point in theory, um, let's say there's a pastor at a location who maybe carries his or her own kind of apostolic wiring and that they would might be, Hey, go and run with it. Does that, is that, that ever like, is, is there ever a vision of them peeling off, um, kind of outgrowing the family? Yeah. We're not really too fussed about it either way. Yeah. Like we don't have a, a directive on it. Yeah. Um, as long as it works. Mm -hmm. And so this mm -hmm. is maybe where we get a little bit more, like we're not as a church, super pragmatic, um, you know, some of the things we do would, would not be classified as pragmatic, but we definitely think that way Yeah, where we go, is this working? And cause like, if it's not working relationally or it's not working in there's some sort of division or whatever, like what would work mm. and, and seeing one of them spun off to do their own thing, that's yeah. fine with me. I love that posture. Cause like, I find myself saying cheeky things. That's my attempt to reflect that posture, but not so well being like, we would never do that unless we would. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. like, it's like you, you talk about video. We'll never do video unless it becomes the most missionally strategic thing. Yes. And then we would, because it's, we're, it's not a law. It's just, we're just, we're just trying to reach people yeah. and make disciples. I agree with what, so I love that posture of like, Hey, there's, we're not planning to do that, but there's an openness. It, it could be that the most effective thing to do one day is to spin them off. Yeah. Um, the way that it's built, like, anyone who's involved in it right now. So, I mean, I guess we started that in 2017. So we're kind of six years in of being a network of churches, not just one church. Yeah. And if you say we're six years in, like the people who are in are really in, they right. love it yeah. and they like doing it this way. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's, it's probably not the most effective way. Like when I talk about mm. being not really pragmatic, like this is a way more expensive way of doing things mm. in some senses, like just getting a bigger building and running one church is far easier right. than doing what we're doing. Yeah. What we're doing is very difficult. Tighter uh, band. You'd have a tighter band on Sunday. Yeah, sure. If you had just one. <laughs> yeah. And like, it'd be way easier for me. I'd yeah. have like, it'd be, it'd be a different team. And like, yeah. I wouldn't be worried about who's next up and where mm -hmm. we're going and sending your best folks to go plant a church in another place. And like, you don't, you, you don't have think to do as much leadership development. No, yeah. just like make it all about me, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just enjoy it and make it, a, just, Hey, listen to me and come right. and love me and send me thank you pastor cards. And yeah, no, but it's like, how can we, 
how can we reach people effectively? How can we empower leaders effectively? Because the reality is if we weren't doing this, there's no way that some of the people I work with would be there mm-hmm. because they would have gone off to do something else because that whatever structure I would have created if we didn't do this would have been too restrictive for their development mm. and their growth and their call. So they would have had to go and do something else to be obedient to God's call on their life. Mm. So it's a way to involve more people in using their gifts and that's staff and volunteers to really be able to participate in the life of yeah. the church, not just to be a spectator or a consumer. So I, I like that, uh, that that way of thinking about it. That's why we do it. It's working. Yeah. Um, we also have, a, a, in terms of shared resources, so we have neighborhood staff, hmm. and we also have, we call them citywide staff or network staff. Mm-hmm. And so we have a number of different ministries that run, that are designed to run on a network level. Right. So they're not actually ministries that, that well, every person who's involved in them attends and is part of one of the churches yeah those ministries are actually meant to sit centrally yeah and to serve it can be a all blessing to all that's right so what would be an example of, of some of those more the network ministries yeah so you go right from from the top of like administration finance and oversight on that kind of stuff uh, right. our media mm-hmm. um, is central um we run a ministry called 1018 it comes out of deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 18 uh that is built to help facilitate relationship and care for people who are widows, orphans, mm. refugees, that kind of a, a thing. So mm. that ministry serves all three churches. We have a biblical counseling ministry that serves all three churches, and it's very effectively um, serving all three churches wow. because counseling happens in in the the nooks and crannies of the week. It doesn't happen on a Sunday morning in right. a big setting like that. So like the person who's involved in counseling and serving in that capacity, they can be from whichever church, it doesn't matter. So we've got people being counseled by like a member of our South Vancouver church who might attend uh, the Kitsilano church. And it's just the counseling relationship doesn't, it's not stopped by mm. not being part mm. of the same community on a Sunday morning. So, you know, that's a good thing too. Oh, when, it, when it comes to, and maybe this will be the last question along this vein, but when it comes to moving to planting in Surrey, how did you identify that together as like a, a region to plan in or a city to plant in. And then once you identify, you know, Surrey is the place you want to go next, how are you building out like a core team? Is it from all three sites? Is it primarily South Van, which I understand to be like the largest of the churches? I use the language of sites. That yeah. was a mistake. How, neighborhood how, churches. How dare, how dare neighborhood, neighborhood churches. Of the three neighborhood churches, yeah, right. is, are they all like, they're all on board with planting in Surrey. Are you building a, a, a launch team from all of them? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so so Daniel Golan, Daniel and his wife, Stephanie, are planting this church. Daniel's been uh, on staff with us um, almost two years now Cool. Uh, in the process. He's always worked with our East Vancouver church. And so... Daniel has always felt called to plant in Surrey. And this is where you talk about how do you identify where you're going to go next? We've done it a couple of different ways. One is where we've identified within the city proper where we've had a concentration of people. Usually Mm -hmm. we can see that based upon community groups where we have a concentration of people. And then we can say, if we got all those people in a room together, would it turn into a core team Mm. to plant with? So that's how we, that's what we planted Kitsilano was that that was our thinking. We had, um, a group of people who were coming to us from somewhere else, but then we also had uh, a number of people from our church already in kits, in community groups, already super engaged, super committed. And we said, what if we planted a church where you could bring your neighbors and you Hmm. could serve and you could use the gifts God's called you to, but like you could, you know, we're not doing it for the sense of like, we want it to be convenient so you can walk here or it's a quick bus ride over. But it's more about like, how can you have an incarnational presence in this neighborhood Hmm. and be a blessing to people who live here and make it easy for them? So that's one way we've done it is we've said, okay, there's a concentration of people. What would it look like? Do we have a planter? How can we make that work? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the conversation on one side. On the other side, you go, we have a church planting apprentice on staff and he feels called, you know, through seasons of discernment and lots of community conversation and all that kind of thing to plant in a particular place. Then we go, well, can we do that? Mm. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. The answer is, I don't know. We're, we're trying this September. Uh, so there are people from the, South Vancouver church who are considering it. There are people from the East Vancouver church who are definitely going and they're going to be serving alongside uh, in that plant. But there's also pre-existing relationships because the guy is from here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's not new to the area. Like he doesn't know anyone. He's growing up here. This is yeah. his whole life. And so he knows lots of people around and 
Um, I think there's a need. It's one of the fastest growing cities in Canada. Yeah. And so the area that we're planting it is really diverse ethnically. And so we're seeking to, to lean into that mm -hmm. and uh, we'll see how it goes. Oh, Amazing. I mean, Surrey is one of those cities that needs church planners to come, you know, and uh, it's really exciting to hear that. Maybe I'll just add one comment and then we can move on to a different thread. But I think what, if I could just kind of bear my heart here for a moment, like I appreciate what I hear and what you're saying, like this is the model we're doing. And there's tons of ways, tons of different models. I think something that's important that kind of, I think supersedes or maybe undergirds this model conversation is I think for us to do effective ministry going forward in the Canadian context, we have to be creative about partnership, mm -hmm. different modes of working together. It's too much to bear for a planter or a young church or even an established church with a congregation that's maybe under 150 people and but wants to be incarnational, wants to alpha, wants to reach kids in the neighborhood, but wants to provide biblical counseling and preach on Sundays in a way that addresses the issues of our time while being biblically faithful and you start adding to the list and it's a lot. And then some, some way we have to figure out how to serve and support one another to carry those burdens together. And that can look lots of different ways. Healthy denominations are doing that all the time. Uh, churches collaborating across denomination lines all the time. And then all the way to like a traditional campus model, you know, and then what you're describing. And I think I, think I just want to put a pin on that premise for the conversation we're having with all the pastors listening across Canada is like, this is the time for unique models for collaboration and working together. And uh, I just really celebrate the way you guys have pine not pioneered because it's not the first, but like really leaned into a model that both reflects the city you're trying to reach, the people God's entrusted you and your unique leadership gifting. Cause it takes a certain kind of leader to be able to say, I, I can hold this tension because like, you live in a tension oh, yeah. of empowerment all the time. and also mm -hmm. thoughtful boundary lines you yeah. know and that's a certain tension that not everyone would relish no and i think it's important to recognize and, and it's important for people who are hearing this to go like like don't go do this mm -hmm. don't try and do what i'm talking about doing it'd be a horrible idea for most people to try to do it the way we're doing it but, you know if you're in a different city you've got different gift mix you're different what is important is that you seek the face of god mm. and that you fast and pray and hear what he wants you to do mm. and then go do that Mm -hmm. Like, I think the model conversation gets so convoluted because all of a sudden somebody wants to write a book about a model and do this and do that. And I just, I'm kind of, I, I'm not really that guy. I think all that stuff's kind of boring and played out. Mm. What I'm interested in is seeking the face of God and is there a way to do it? Now, once you do have a vision of how you're called to do it and you think there's a particular way for you to be the church of Jesus Christ in one community, what does that look like? How do you want to do it? Now you have to build some structures around it. Yeah. And so that's, that's how it, you create generational um, survivability. I don't know what the right word is, yeah. but where it can continue on from one generation of leadership to the next is that you build it into a structure. So you have to necessarily have some institutional dynamics alongside the movement dynamics of it. Mm -hmm. And so you need to get people who are involved and I'm not necessarily the guy on all these things, but you have to get people involved who understand how to build something with structure and all of that, because this really is not built around me. In some ways, it very much is, and it'd be a lie to not, you know, acknowledge sure. that. There, you know, I, I started it, you know, yeah. I, but there's a lot of other people invested yeah. in this. Yeah. And the reality is, if you can get it outside of one person's personality and you can build it into a structured system that everybody else can embrace, now it becomes something that has generational livability. Mm -hmm. Like it can keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, if I get hit by a bus, I don't actually think there's really that much. I mean, no. You know, I'm sure my wife would be sad, but like, I don't think there's that much going on I'm in our church. Sure wife, people, your daughter, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> I would be sad. Yeah. You'd be sad. Yeah. But sure. the life of our church, it wouldn't just stop because I disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important thing when I'm just one of the pastors there. That's a cool right. thing to celebrate coming on 10 years. It is. Yeah. To kind of go, okay. Massive joy. Yeah. By God's mm -hmm. grace, this is something that's, that's not just what we started. You know, it's, it's, it's God's built this living organism. Um, yeah. yeah, it's beautiful, man. And there's also a degree of health, I imagine, that comes into your life as a pastor and a husband and a father going, oh, this is, I could step out. This would keep going. I don't have to keep feeding yeah, you can the relate beast to it week after way. week after week. There's just a healthier relationship. It's way better. And I mean, if, if it's pastors listening to this conversation, like you've got to know if it's built on you, it's going to kill you. Mm -hmm. You're not 
built to bear the weight of that. Yeah. And so whether it's model or one church or, you know, anything you're, anything you're doing, it's not about you. It's mm. Jesus church. It's always been Jesus church. Let him be the Lord of his church. You get to be the servant and it's a real joy to do it. And don't fall into the trap of thinking, you know, that you need to become the next Jason Ballard or the next mm. Chris Price. Easy. Easy. Hey, because people don't need to do that. There's mm. already one of those, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm sitting across the table from like, we don't, it, be who you are mm-hmm. and be really okay with that. And the performative thing is where people burn out. Mm. People don't burn out because of the work. The work's super rewarding most of the time. Sometimes it's frustrating, but guess what? Every job is since Genesis 3 happened. Right. The people burn out because of the weight they carry. Mm. And if you're intentionally building it so that it counts on you, you will burn out. It's too heavy. Yeah. Sometimes I think of, I think it's Ephesians 2.10 where it says, God prepared in advance good works for you to walk in. And I think, well, that's not the path to burn out. It's the path to thriving in your giftedness. But it's when you take on good works that belong to someone else. Maybe that's the performative piece yeah. that you get crushed and burn out. Yeah, mm. That's a good word. I'd love to um, just hear a bit about your story in ministry, because I know that I'm curious how you found yourself called into it. Um, but then I, th- I think one time when we chatted, there's been some some really defining moments where you've come to grips with your own limitations as a human as well. Yeah. So I'd love to just hear the calling story, but then also some of the kind of the topography of you really settling into this calling and what it means for you. Yes. I mean, I didn't grow up in the church. Hmm. Um, I had absolutely no experience in the church as a kid. how did you get connected? Yeah. Or, so like, how'd so, you hear the gospel? So I'm, I'm, uh, grew up in a great family, um, like wonderful home, all of that stuff. Uh, life was good. Like I wasn't one of those people who I'd hit some sort of rock bottom and found Jesus and, hmm. or, you know, like some loving family in the neighborhood took me in because I was like, I love those stories are great too. I'm just not one of them. Hmm. Um, my story is my life was pretty awesome. I was pretty happy <laughs> doing very self-centered things, uh, all of the time. And, uh, you know, the only challenge I really had was with some injuries related to sports that I couldn't continue to play. And it was like, that was the biggest challenge in my life. And I look back at that now and I'm like, that's not the hugest challenge. <laughs> like there's a lot of people who suffer a lot worse. And, uh, but I did, I did know that there was a void in my life when mm-hmm. I was looking for some meaning and some purpose and some identity and all those things that most teenagers are looking for. And so I was 19 years old. Uh, I just come back from traveling for almost a year and, uh, I had an encounter with God. Wow. I didn't mean to. Mm. Like I just wasn't looking. I was like wasn't looking for one. Was like, there a Christian in your life, or what was sort of the conduit for that? I mean, I'll tell you. My wife just she just shakes her head every time I tell this story. She's like, people think you're nuts when you tell this story. And I, I mean, I, I think she believes me when I tell this story. I, I, we've been married for this year will be our 20th anniversary. Oh wow! And uh, so she still shakes her head every time I tell. But I was I was super drunk, walking home from a thing that I was at when I started to have a kind of spiritual experience, I couldn't explain. Hmm. I was 19 years old and at like two in the morning, I end up on my knees in the middle of a soccer field, trying to cut through the soccer field. To this get is in home. Calgary. And this is uh, no, this is in central Alberta. Okay. Yeah. And in the small town that I grew up in and uh, I'm, I'm trying to walk home. That's all. I'm just minding my own wow. business trying to get, just trying to get home in a, in a, in a, pretty bad way. Mm-hmm. And I fall down on my knees and I just understand there's a God. Wow. And there's more to the, to the encounter, but I can't, I can't put it in words. Dude. I just, I all of a sudden knew that God was real. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had one friend who was a Christian. So I called him at like two in the morning, drunk. Wow. And his dad answered, cause he was still living at home before he went off to college, like a couple weeks later or something. And his dad's a pastor. So I go, Hey, I need to talk to him. And he's like, uh, he's sleeping. Wow. <laughs> I was like, so, so you gotta think like I've, I'd been the guy who was the bad influence on this kid all the way right. through high school. This, this, this dad has been very patient with me, but also like it's two in the morning and I'm yeah. calling him drunk. Yeah. And he's, he says, you're drunk. And I said, yes, but I'm crying. That's why I, I can't, that's why you can't understand me. And I was actually on the other end of the phone sobbing. Wow. And I said, I need to talk to him. I don't know what just happened to me. Wow. And, uh, so, I mean, long story short, a couple months later, um, I meet somebody who, who eventually says, are you a Christian? Because hmm. that, at that moment, I quit drinking, I quit drugs, I quit all the other things I was doing, and I just stopped, and I, I had no idea what was going on. So two months there, I was in limbo, wow. and then this young woman said to me, are you a Christian? I said, I don't really know what that means. 
wow. <laughs> like, like this is how far from Christianity I was. You just got to understand. I, I, I didn't know anything. She said, are you a Christian? I said, I don't really know what that means. She said, well, let me, can I tell you what Jesus did for you? And I was like, please, somebody, please tell me. Cause my buddy was too chicken to actually really share the gospel with me. Hmm. Um, so a couple months go by, this young woman leads me to Christ. Uh, beautiful in a, just a beautiful moment and a beautiful time. And you talk about a call to ministry. So I came, I was in the States when that happened. And then I came back to Canada and came home and went to church for the first time, you know, like a week after wow. I became a Christian. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right. And so my buddy's like, this is what we do now. We go, we go to church on Sundays. He starts discipling me. Wow. And I was like, okay. So I went to church with them. I didn't know there was a difference in churches. I just thought they had weird names for yeah. other reasons. I had right. no idea that there would be like differences. So I just went to wherever, like he's the only Christian I really knew. So I went to church with him. Wow. And from, I would say from that moment there, my call to Christ and my call to ministry were like simultaneous, wow. hmm. which is a really weird thing to be a kid who didn't grow up in the church to go, I think I'm supposed to lead this. Like you're in a church building. You're like, I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be in charge of this. What does that mean? Mm, right. <laughs> People look at you weird when you say yeah. things like that. You're like, yeah. I think I'm supposed to do that. And you're pointing at the preacher, right? Mm. Uh, so yeah, wow. that, that's how I ended up in it. It's special to think about like, I'm sure that your buddy and his parents had all kinds of prayers about you, like prayers like protect our son from him oh my all gosh, the way through yes. to prayers of like, maybe God grab hold of his heart, do yeah. your thing. Yeah. And um, I'm sure they prayed me into the kingdom. You know just, what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure, like they're the, I'm sure they're those people. I just had this thought recently, like, cause we're having these conversations, we being all of us, future of the church in Canada, you know, next generation, we see the stats and uh, I think it was, it was Shayla Visser at Alpha, who's part of your church. Mm -hmm. She said this line, like, maybe the people who God will use to reach the next generation don't even know him yet. And uh, she's not the first person to say that, but when she said it, just in a conversation we're having, it just stuck in my brain about how I could pray. Mm -hmm. Like, and I just, your story just really yeah. cements that, that it's, a, it's something that I think God's inviting us to be in prayer. Like, Lord, move in our time, raise up from our church, men and women who can lead in our time, but also, Lord, move in such a way that... You're 19. Yeah. There's 19 year olds who you're going to grab hold of on a night, 2 a.m. Yeah. And and that you would call them like I just. I mean, I've got kids in high school. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've got kids in high school. I'm praying for their friends. Yeah. Who don't know the Lord, and it could be. Yeah. You know, would it be would it be so beautiful that some of those young men and women come to know Jesus and mm -hmm. end up walking into like like yeah. we have a, a leadership pipeline problem in Canada. We know that that's been talked about. You guys are on about that. But God can solve that problem real fast. Yeah. He mm -hmm. just grabs a hold of the hearts of a few young people like me, you know, and goes, okay, well, I got a plan for you. You're currently doing your own thing, yeah. but mm -hmm. I'm going to show you that there's a different way. Yeah. 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 He, this, is a, this is a very solvable problem for God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. And when I think about that, it's like, what's our responsibility in that? It goes, okay. Obviously, we partner with God in prayer. We do our own participation in the harvesting work. But when he grabs a hold of a heart, will there be fathers and mothers and mentors who can navigate the arrogant 19 year old voice or the insecure or broken 19 year old towards their calling. Yeah. And that's the responsibility for us is to be the kind of place where someone could indeed be called in such a way and be shepherded through all of their missteps that we've all, we've all had. And right. sometimes you get bit back and sure. you get timid. It's just, like, it's just a beautiful picture, man. I'm really, I love hearing that. So, so get led to the Lord, come back, you start attending church, you're, you're processing this calling. Um, and then give me kind of the next plot points that kind of move you towards like, man, I'm discerning a call to move to Vancouver or church planning. Like this, what happened between there? Yeah. So, I mean, six weeks after I became a Christian, I started Bible college. Where so, at? Uh, it, a little local church Bible college in Red Deer, Alberta. Come on. And, um, and so I, I'd read Genesis, Matthew, Mark, and Luke when I started Bible college mm -hmm. and someone told me. Don't start at the beginning of the Bible with Genesis when you're reading it for the first time. Start in the New Testament. It's going to be easier, more accessible for you. And I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. I'm the kind of guy that starts in the beginning and goes all the way through. So I read Genesis and I was like, okay, this is hard. I should probably go to the New Testament because these people had good ideas. So I started with Matthew. I read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I was like, there's four Gospels. It's the same story three times. I'm not going to read the fourth one. And I mean, lo and right. behold, obviously, John is written to be 
a compliment to the synoptics. And so, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know that John the Baptist and John the Apostle were different people. I, I didn't know how Some to Some people read. are just learning that for the first time right They're now. Like, yeah. What? That's mind blowing. I'm so glad I listened to this podcast. And so I think the, you know, it's just a hot content we have, but yeah. <laughs> the, the reality was I just, I didn't, I didn't mean to do any of this. Like hmm. I didn't mean to become a Christian. I certainly didn't mean to become a pastor. Mm-hmm. I just kept taking the next step that I felt God was leading me into. And, and then you, you start to have an idea of what he might do with your life. And so the more, the more time you spend having encounters with him, the more time you get set up for the future. And you, you, he sets you up for the future by showing you and revealing to you slowly what he wants you to do. So, uh, I mean, I get married, we have some kids, I come out of Bible college, you know, all that's happening, not necessarily in that order. Um, you know, I came out of Bible college, then we got married, then we had kids, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, I actually was offered a job in ministry, I turned it down, went into business. Hmm. So the entrepreneurial thing in me was real. Yeah. And so I went to work for a small business owner, um, an entrepreneur, and then I went to work for another small business owner, entrepreneur, and then eventually I started my own company and I ran that for a few years. And in the midst of that, God got a hold of my heart again for vocational ministry and was like, actually, this is what I called you to and wow. made it very clear that I was hmm. supposed to do that. And um, at the same time as that's happening, then I get like that simultaneous, like like the same moment I'm having a, some clarity around call to ministry, I get a phone call like the next day about call to ministry, like that hmm. kind of stuff was happening. And so, you know, we wanted to pay attention to that. So sold the business, went into ministry, served in a couple different churches, because you got to learn stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you got to be willing to, you know, and we have it in every one of our contracts uh, and our employment agreements at Christ City. We have, it, it's written in every single one of them that we need to be willing to mop the floor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I'm mopping the floor multiple hours a week, every week, we probably have some sort of a problem going on. There's something that we need to pay attention to because it's probably not something I should be doing every week all mm-hmm. the time, but I should be willing to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was, I was like a assistant youth guy and a youth guy and an associate pastor and an executive pastor. And then through all of that, I really discerned a call to planting. My wife and I are both uh, gifted in that area. And so she's just like the most tremendously gifted woman and knows exactly what God has called her to do and what she's about. And she also knows what she's not about and she wants to you know, stay away from all those things. And so she, she's, cool. really, she's really great. She's mm-hmm. a wonderful worship leader, songwriter, and, uh, and a really good leader who raises up others. And mm. so we both have that kind of in us. Yeah. And so planting made sense. Right. It also seemed to be what God was calling us to. And so um, God opened some crazy doors for us um, mm. when we were in Alberta just through relationships and conversations to meet with some people who were actively trying to plant more churches in Vancouver. And we felt called to do that. That worked out and, and here we are. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. I remember last time we were chatting or a couple of times ago, um, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, if, but there was, there was a moment, I think it was in the context of ministry where you experienced like some sort of form of maybe burnout, yeah. um, like a real crisis of like, yeah. Can you just, when was that in your story? I feel like I, I, I almost like the reason why I wanted to bring it up is because I feel like there's probably some wisdom for young leaders to hear from your story if you're comfortable sharing it. Yeah, for sure. I'm happy to share it. I think we planted in September of 2013. Um, I was 32 when we planted the church. I'd never been a lead pastor before. I'd never planted a church before. Um, there were a lot of expectations on me from outside partners and different people who had made investments in what we were doing. Plus we'd just been handed the keys to a building, which doesn't happen all the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we got three young kids and, you know, trying to figure out how to be a Christian dad because I didn't have one. Like I I had a wonderful dad, but he wasn't a Christian. So I'm not trying to figure out how to be a dad Mm -hmm. and a husband and a friend. And oh, by the way, also now you have to figure out how to be a lead pastor. The church planting thing I actually was pretty good at. I I knew how to do that. It was, it was like, it was a couple months after we planted the church where I was sitting down talking to my wife and I was like, I think I'm bored. Mm. And she would just love nothing more than to never move again. Right. Mm -hmm. And just to be stable and everything to be kind of like steady. And I'm the opposite to a fault. And I just love change. And I think change is fun and exciting and Mm -hmm. let's start something new. And, you know, I can break a lot of things pretty quickly. And so I was like, I think I'm bored. And then I had to make becoming a pastor, like my new challenge. Right. And I really just gave myself to that. The church grew really quickly, lots of reasons, but not really any that were because I was doing anything 
that well. It's just mm-hmm. like, there was just lots of things happening at the same time and God just chose to do what he did. Like, yeah. It wasn't like we were really great at what we were doing. We were just trying to figure it out. It feels like it was really God's timing for you guys in that neighborhood too. Like, yeah, it was crazy. The neighborhood needed a church. Yeah. People are moving in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, really cool. So, I mean, the, like, you know, we're in a small church building, seats a couple hundred people. Like we were in two, we were at two gatherings, like on our eighth Sunday or something like that. No, our 10th Sunday, I think we went to two gatherings. Um, and so, yeah, again, plant in, in fall of 2013, my wife and I go on a vacation for a week in February of 2014 and have a, a wonderful week off, just the two of us. It was great. I hadn't really stopped for a year. Like I was just going. And uh, we came home and I, my alarm went off to go to work the next day. And I like early in the morning, I love to get up early and I didn't want to move. Like I didn't want to get out of bed, which is not something I'd ever really experienced. I just mm. have always had gas in the tank and and ready to go. And I was like, oh, this is weird. So I like sheer willpower, like got myself up out of bed and I was like, okay, let's go. I didn't realize till after that week off how burnt out I really was. Mm. The problem is I love the work and I'm good at the work and people praise me when I do the work. Right. It just feeds all of the wrong things in a human being mm. when those are the conditions that you're living in all the time. Right. Like, I love this. I find this to be the most meaningful thing I could give my life to. I'm gifted for it. And I've worked really hard to hone the craft to become good at this job. And so I am good at it. And I've got other people saying that to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if I keep working and I keep succeeding, here, here, here's the problem maybe they'll love me. Mm-hmm. This is, this is my fundamental problem. Mm. So, you know, obviously that ends, I end up in a counselor's office, um, mm-hmm. not that long after, because I, I basically, I, my physical body started to just shut down. And I talked to a friend who'd gone through some stuff and I, I became very depressed. I became very anxious. Uh, I really struggled to do basic stuff. And the problem was I could still do Sunday. Mm-hmm. Right. I could still do, I could still get a sermon together and preach it. And yeah. it looked like everything was fine, yeah. but internally at home, it was a nightmare. So, um, by God's grace, I ended up getting, uh, connected to a really good doctor who helped me with some of the medical side of things. Uh, I got connected to a really great, um, counselor who walked me through like some of my heart issues and some of the reasons that I was working the way I was because I wasn't attending to my heart. And then I got connected with a really great guy who became a spiritual father to me. And that was the the role that was the most absent Hmm. in my life. And I'd had some pain with some spiritual fathers in the past who at the end of the day, ultimately kind of rejected me Mm -hmm. um, because I was choosing to do what I was doing in terms of planting and all that stuff. And there was just pain around that. And this guy just nurtured me. just loved me. There was nothing in it for him. Wow. Wasn't his job. Literally it was costing him to care for me. Nothing in it for him. And he just, just as a, an act of grace, uh, loved me wow. and it healed me. What a gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, um, he's, he's gone to be with the Lord and, uh, I miss him. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I really miss him. Yeah. We're able to be part of the memorial. We're mm-hmm. able, yeah, yeah. He was that guy to a lot of people. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was that guy to a lot of people, and so he had um, he'd cared for a lot of young pastors who who were running themselves into the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, his legacy is beautiful. So, yeah, I, I went through that, and you know, a lot of those things like you can have good counsel and you can have good fatherly care and you can have good rhythms in your life of rest and Sabbath. And, you know, you fill in all the blanks and good health and good amounts of sleep and not overworking. And you can do all of those things, but there are still things that only God can touch mm-hmm. in your, in your life. And I think that's important to say. And one of the key conversations that I had in the midst of all of that was my, was my wife, who's very wise. And I was telling her what I needed and I was like, this is what I need in my life, like to help me. And she looked at me one night and she just looked me right in the eyes. I was crying, sitting on the kitchen counter while I, she was probably doing something important that I was bothering her. And she looked me right in the eyes and she said, only God can give you that. Wow. And it was a mm-hmm. moment for me where I recognized I got to stop looking horizontal for that, which I can only receive in the vertical. Wow. And so 
you know, God did some amazing things in my life in that season. And, and this is the point. It didn't fix everything. Right. Like I was on sabbatical last year mm-hmm. and uh, praise God for sabbaticals. It was a wonderful time as a family and a wonderful time for me. And I was reading this book and uh, there, there was a line in it. It's um, Steve Cuss, uh, Managing Leadership Anxiety. And there's a line in it where it says, because the gospel is true, I don't have to blank. And I'm having this moment where I didn't have to think for one second what that blank was. Mm. Because the gospel is true, I don't have to prove myself. And I'm talking wow. about like, this is now, that, that would have been like eight or nine years after I went through the initial meltdown in my life. Mm. And mm-hmm. I learned all those things and God showed me all those things. Like eight or nine years later, I'm still going through it because I'm not a whole person yet. He's mm. just making me whole. and. In the truest sense, I will be one day, wonderfully, beautifully healed in every way, and I'll have every need met by him and all of that, but I'm still learning how to do that. Mm-hmm. So because the gospel's true, I don't have to prove myself, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to live into that lesson daily. And you're working with a lot of young pastors. Your heart is to lean in, invest, and develop young pastors. And what are you seeing, like when you think about that line, because the gospel's true, I don't have to blank. Yeah. What are you seeing as some pitfalls are they similar? Are you seeing new things emerging uh, with the young pastors you're working with? Yeah, I think uh, most of our staff are younger than me. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but most of them. And some of them who are older than me are new to ministry. So everyone's going through this stuff. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that stands out so much is that each person is really, really unique. And so there's no playbook for this stuff that is exhaustive, where if you just learn this one playbook, you'll be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Every single one of those things need to be done relationally. Mm. And for me, that's a real joy and a part of the, you know, part of my job is to raise up other leaders and and to work with other men and women of God who want to be in ministry or serve in a whatever capacity in the local church. And yeah, you just have to get to know them. And I think there's a real absence of that mm. where someone just stops and gets to know someone. Mm. And so I spend a lot of time hanging out with people. Mm. That's, you know, there's not a, that, that might not translate into something that is super helpful to everyone else, but like maybe just slow down, pay attention, get to mm. know them. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to find the issues that come up. But if you only find the issues apart from relationship with them, you're not really mentoring leaders into something. You're just kind of fixing problems or plugging holes in a dam or whatever you want to say. Uh, You're not actually getting to the heart of it. And so just get to know people, slow down, hang out, talk. Um, I'm not the best at it all the time because there's lots of things going on, Mm -hmm. but I want to invest in people. And I think the best way to do that is relationally. Mm -hmm. Uh, I appreciate that. Pitfalls and stuff like that. I mean, they're not new. We've, Mm -hmm. We've had all the same idolatry problems that you can read about in the Bible. And so uh, our sin translates to idolatry. I mean, I can tell you what put me into counseling and mm. why I needed help. Like it's, you know, I, they're, they're really not, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. And so it's all the same problems. Um, a lot of it's expectations and mm. I'm trying to be somebody or I'm trying to make something of myself or I'm trying to, you mm-hmm. know, especially with leaders types, yeah. we're all screwed like that. Mm-hmm. We're, our heads are messed yeah. because we're, we're constantly trying to prove ourselves because I'm competitive and I want to do this or I want to do that, or I'm going to, it just doesn't work. It's Mm -hmm. just not the way of Jesus. And so Mm -hmm. when you can learn that it becomes simpler to help other people. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Chris, when you heard that, did anything pop to your mind for you? Because Uh, the gospel's true. I don't have to. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of my thirties was about trying to justify my own existence as a pastor and a leader to people in my denomination, to people in my church and to my dad. Mm. I wanted my dad to be proud of me Mm. and to be impressed with me. And so that was a lot of a driving motivation for me, for a lot of stuff that I was doing. And uh, there is a, a crushing burden and pressure that can come with that. And it's also not ultimately satisfying. Um, so yeah, that, that was one of the things Mm. for me as well. When I was, I was just trying to think in my head, like, because the gospel's true, I don't have to, I think for me, it solved every problem. It's like, I hear a problem and I'm like, 
it's on me. And it's like the, the list on the shoulders just getting so big. And it's all connected to the same root thing. Prove yourself, mm-hmm. approve of others or whatever. But it's like, for me, that subtlety is a big part of my wiring and where, where I need to let the gospel seep in deeper. You know, it's like, I can't. And he, but it, and mm. he, and he has mm. solved the most ultimate problems. It, and he's building his kingdom. It does seem like that's a question that pastors should come back to again and again because the gospel's true, I don't have to blank because my guess is different seasons, it can change mm-hmm. and shift. And so to continually be aware and then to have fathers like you had in our lives who are walking with us mm-hmm. and are helping us navigate it is so key. I, th- I think it's becoming, it's, it's becoming those fathers. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you and I are the same age, Chris, like we're not, mm-hmm. we're not old men. But I was put We're actually into a, still millennials. Thank you very much. That's yeah. right. Elder it's millennials. A, it's a technicality. It's a, it is a technicality, but a, we're both in. It's on, yeah. You're on the cusp. We're <laughs> on the cusp. But I was, I was forced into spiritual fatherhood yeah. way earlier than I thought I would be. Hmm. And I wasn't prepared for it. So for me, it's not just like solving every problem. It's like, how do I become the guy who can help other people yeah. solve theirs? but not by coming in and solving it, by just like, how do I walk with people and walk with Jesus? Yeah. And, you know, it's so crazy, but you know, some of the wounds that we have in our lives are the things that God uses the most. Mm. And so some of those spiritual father wounds that I had have helped me to become, I think, maybe more well-rounded as I approach that topic and as I try to walk with people. Um, I, I want to be, like, I've already decided I'm gonna be a wonderful grandparent. Mm-hmm. I just decided that a long time ago. Like my, my girls are not old enough yet mm-hmm. for, for me to be a grandpa. Um, I'm 41. Mm-hmm. And so that's not a thing yet, but I'm going to kill it when it comes time to be a grandpa. Like my I wife and it. I, we decided already we're going to be, sweet. but like, mm-hmm. you have to make decisions like that. Like, what are who are you going to become? And I don't want to become a great grandfather so that I can, uh, you know, prove myself that I did, <laughs> but in the same way, I don't want to be a great pastor so that it looks good on me. Mm-hmm. I just, it's, this is Jesus church. These are his people. Mm. Everybody's hurting. Everybody's broken. Everybody's walking around with wounds that we can't all see. What does mm-hmm. it look like to just show up, be mm. present and uh, help somebody follow Jesus? Mm. I've loved hanging out with you guys today. I love chatting and I feel like grateful for, for you, Brett in the city, mm-hmm. um, for you and your wife pioneering this work grateful for the german speaking mennonite brethren church that planted all these mb churches in lower mainland and the history we're part of and it's exciting to think that like we'll be footnotes at some point in the story god willing though Mm -hmm. they'll be like i can't remember what that church was called or the pastor was but i think they planted a few churches and it was kind of cool and i just it's a really really cool vision and just appreciate you sharing that story appreciate you sharing that moment um reading that book the gospel is true um I don't have to. And my prayer for everyone listening is even just before you flip this off, like if you were to fill in that sentence, if the gospel is true or because the gospel is true, I don't have to. And then my prayer is that God would help us believe it. Mm-hmm. Cause it's one thing I know for me to say, because the gospel is true, I don't have to solve everyone's problem, but I'm praying, Lord, help my heart really believe that. And Lord, may you wherever, our friends are listening, the men and women driving cars or listening in office or at home. Uh, would you bring the gospel to life in our hearts Yeah, in such a way that we'd believe? Um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks Amen. for hanging out, man. Yeah, Thanks thank for having me If the gospel is true, I don't have to. We don't want to rush out of any pondering or reflecting that you might want to do personally on that statement. So please feel free to pause here or close the episode if you'd like to do that. Bless you as you consider what the gospel is freeing you from as you seek to see it set others free as well. Before we go, I want to express gratitude to a few different people who helped make this episode happen. An extra big thank you to Brett for joining us for this conversation, to Josh Thompson for arranging the interview, Jason and Chris for facilitating, and to Rachel Sousa and Will Lee for adding their voice and touch in putting together the episode. This podcast is amongst a few things that we do at CCLN in an aim to strengthen and come alongside pastors in Canada. 
And we love hearing about how these conversations are translating into deeper reflections and impact in the lives of pastors all over our nation. So if there's anything you ever want to relay back to us, we're keen to hear from you. Just shoot an email to josh at contact at ccln.ca or write a direct message to Ralph on Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And if you've personally experienced some sort of benefit from what we're doing through the Canadian Church Leaders Network, we want to invite you to join the giving community that's making that possible for many other pastors like yourself. You can give a regular or one-time donation at ccln.ca slash give, or if you're a senior pastor and you want to take it a step further, we want to invite you to learn more about what it might mean to become a partner church at ccln.ca slash churchpartners. We love this generous, growing community, and it's a real joy to link arms in doing this kind of special ministry together. Well, that's it for me. We pray as you go about serving your families, teams, and congregations in the coming weeks that you sense the Lord's help, His provision, and His delight in you. Thanks for joining us today. Bye for now.